you are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 4th of April. In fourth place in the Western Conference, led by a 30-point explosion by Ricky Rubio? What? The cats and dogs are living together. And Trey Lyles doesn't want to practice. Plus, how did I do on over-unders? Let's take a scan at that. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Hope you're doing great. Uh, and hope everything is is well. It, it is well because you're a Jazz fan, and we're in fourth in the Western Conference right now. Incredible, absolutely incredible. Uh, today's show, we'll talk about the Ricky Rubio story, which is really becoming significant and interesting. Trey Lyles had some interesting comments, though I have not heard them. I've only read the transcript, and uh, we'll talk. I'm going to go back through the over unders at Chuck Cooperstein of the uh, Mavericks and I did and see what we, we find in that regard. So that's that's the plan for the show today. I hope you're doing well. Today's show is brought to you by The Store uh, at 60 North South and 20th East and Mazuma USA. All right, let's do our quick little thing we do every day and kind of update what happened last night, where we sit, where all these things are going on. Uh, last night was strange. I didn't know whether we were rooting for the Clippers or the Spurs. If the Spurs lost last night which they did, then we moved into fourth. And if we win out, we're fourth in the Western Conference. And, and so if you're the optimist, you want to put yourself probably in a position in which you give yourself a chance to uh, give yourself a chance to, you know, do that, right? Like that's the best case scenario, I guess, is to have home court advantage in the first round playing either the Spurs or the Thunder. Though with Dame Lillard turning an ankle last night, I'm still not convinced that six isn't the best. Uh, we're... Uh, 538 has our our possibility of making the playoffs now at 99%. This is just a miraculous season. Uh this it's been going on long enough that I think we've kind of maybe even gotten used to it. We're at nine, a drop to 98% with the Clippers win last night. So it's not I mean it's not all the way over yet, but we're in pretty good shape. I, I still can get nervous about that 2%. So let's review what happened last night. The Jazz won 81% win probability when we did this, and that leaves the Jazz. Um, the Jazz have now played all eight of the games in which they had 80 or better win probability, and they went 7-1. and one. Okay, The Atlanta game, uh, the exception. The Clippers had a 68% win probability last night, and they did it. And this is what makes the Clippers interesting. Everyone has kind of dismissed my take on the Clippers. I don't, if they, their only game I think they lose the rest of the way is in Salt Lake on Thursday. I mean, this, they're not done yet. Uh, and this is where I still get a little nervous. They, they play Denver at home. They play the Pelicans and the Lakers. They, they could easily win out. Portland lost last night to Dallas in a 60% win game, which is a little bit surprising. They've gone 7-4 and four in their 11 games of 60 win possibility. But Dame twisted an ankle, and they're not playing for a lot anymore. Denver got a clutch win last night, a 72% win chance against the uh, Indiana Pacers. They now get a night off, and they go and play Minnesota. And the, and the reason the Jazz win probability is where it is 
is because Denver and Minnesota play each other twice. So that's a huge game. Uh, and then finally last night, San Antonio, or excuse me, uh, finally last night, the uh, Oklahoma City lost a pick'em game to the Warriors. I'll tell you what, I still am just not impressed by by Oklahoma City. They 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 lost four of five: Trailblazers, Spurs, Nuggets, Warriors, and the Pelicans. And, and they lost to Boston there. If you look at what they've done since we started charting this, they're three and zero in games that had eighty percent win probability. They're six and two in games with a uh, should win prob- possibility. They're one in four in pickums. They're one in two in unlikelies. It's it's not a very impressive run on their part. Now they play Houston, Miami, and Memphis the rest of the way, and probably don't lose again. I don't think they lose again. So they finish with 34, and then the Spurs, who are sitting at 33 with us, the Spurs close with the they play uh, they lost last night to the Clippers, which was a 32 win possibility, and San Antonio has now t- finished two and five in those games. They're not playing great either. They play the Lakers tonight. They could lose that. That's both teams on a back to back. That's the only game I think. Oh, there's a, a New Orleans Memphis game tonight. Then they play the Trailblazers, but Damian Lillard's likely to not play in that game. So I would say San Antonio probably wins. They play Sacramento and close with the Pelicans. I'm not sure San Antonio loses again. Question is do we lose again? 70% against the Clippers. At LA is a 50-50. Home against the Warriors is a 50-50. Their final game of the year, I would suspect their guys don't play the second half of that game. That would that would be my my guess would be that they don't play the second half of that game. So you you got to stay in it. Um and see whether or not you can you can I, I can't imagine the Warriors play their guys in the second half of the final game of the year risking injury with all the injuries they've had and there'll be no staff. Uh, and they'll have a big dinner at Valters the night before. So that, it's it's cra- it's still nutty. We're, I feel like we're on the upper cusp of what's going on. I don't know that I'm quite ready to start picking who you want as your playoff opponent yet. But it's uh, it sure is an interesting time to be a part of and watch. And I do think everyone's tired. Uh, but that game Thursday's mammoth. Uh, if we lose our next four... We all of a sudden, which would be stunning, obviously, the way we're playing, but it's possible. Um, and all of a sudden, we're in trouble at 37. I, I, I will feel comfortable when we hit the 47th, the win. All right, let's talk about Ricky Rubio. 30 points again last night. Rubio has now gone over 35 times in his NBA career. Four of them this season with the Utah Jazz. One of them March 30th of last season. So, so Rubio has suddenly done this. Five times in the last calendar year, having not done it prior in his NBA career. There's some really interesting things going on with Rubio. He's taking 10.9 shots per game, which is the most shots he's ever taken. And his field goal percentage is at 41%, which is, doesn't, isn't great, don't misunderstand, but it's much better than his career 38%. So it's a career-high field goal percentage. He's taking 3.6 threes a game, which is one more than he's taken in any season ever in his career. He's making 35% of his threes now, which is better than the 32% he was making in his career. 
That's a huge difference. 35% three-point shooters got to be guarded. 35% three-point shooter, you've got to keep an eye on that on him. And and be aware of what's going on. And there's and we can get to some second level stuff that's getting interesting on Rubio. When Rubio is placed in the corner. So if Donovan Mitchell or I talked about this a little bit on postcast last night. If Donovan Mitchell or Joe Ingles is running the pick and roll with Favors or Gobert, you've got Rubio posted on one corner. That's just kind of the fact of how that play is run. The reason you do that is because you want the guard that's guarding Rubio to be the one who has to come over and help on the big rolling to the basket. Because he's small. Well, here's what's suddenly happening with Ricky Rubio. That means he's in the corner, and it's a catch-and-shoot three, and it's a, he's now a 38% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter this season. Okay, that's pretty good. Last year he was 32. The year before that he was 34. The year before that he was 23. This is a dramatic increase. And if Rubio's hitting 38% of his corner or of his threes, then you can't leave him. Okay, you can't you just I mean you can, but you're going to get paid. Second thing is a lot of Rubio's shots are coming late in the shot clock. In other words, teams stray off their guy. Jazz make their initial play. The one you're helping off is Rubio. Rubio's open. From four to seven seconds on the shot clock, Rubio is shooting 38%. 39%. He's 15 to 39 7 to 15 on the shot clock, he's at 33%. In the final four seconds of the shot clock, he's at 26%. That's a little hard to figure out because a lot of those could be you just stuck with the ball at the end of a shot clock. The other one that's interesting is early in the shot clock, Rubio's at 57%. I just moved my mic for all of you that are bothered by my coffee drinking. Um I got to drink something. I talked for 30 minutes straight here, so I'm going to try to move my mic for you. Okay, so why does that matter? Because if teams are going to help off Rubio, and last year in those circumstances, in the final seven seconds of a shot clock last year, Rubio hit, he was 11 of 33, 33% from four to seven, but in the last four seconds of a shot clock last year, he was three of 29. The year prior... He was 14 of 31, similar, but then 6 of 25 in the final seconds of the shot clock. And in the 14-15 season, he, did, he only took 10 threes. He was, only played 22 games. He was 2 of 10. So now what you suddenly have is Rubio with enough confidence in his shot and shooting well enough that he's shooting some early, but also if, if he gets the ball late in the shot clock, and even if you include, which it's hard to tell how many heaves he might have on, on – on the back side of a shot clock here. But if you, even if you include he's 23 of say he's 33% in the final seven seconds of a shot clock, that is one point per possession. Now let's go play for a second. If we go to unpredictable and start looking at what people score or even just teams, actually we can do it through NBA, one point per possession in the final seven seconds of a shot clock is good. 
So Rubio, if you being used, one, with confidence, two, making shots, but also if used in the right manner and at the right times in the shot clock, if he's being left open and he's suddenly going to make 33 to 35% of his open shots, that's not bad. It's not. Don't misunderstand anything. We're, we're, we're not turning him into Clay Thompson, and we're not actually – I'm not even really even saying I think he's he's good. Like, I, I'll, I'll, we can go there at a later point. But I think what I'm trying to say to you is this guy has been sold so many times as a negative offensively well, maybe not. Not if used correctly, if the one being left open and bearing those shots. If the there's no real advanced filter of points per possession on NBA.com, but if you look at four to seven seconds on the shot clock, the effective field goal percentage from is right about 50% at that point on the shot clock. Maybe 51 so if you're at 33, you're right on average. If Rubio is average, then he's offensively or is not hurting you, then he's a pretty terrific player to have on your roster. The other thing that's going on with Ricky right now is he's making specifically that corner three. I think he's made eight in a row. And so that changes a lot of what's, of what's taking place. It's a tribute to Ricky. It's a tribute to Igor Kokoshkov. It's a tribute to Quinn Snyder. Well, I'll, I'll dig more into the impact of Quinn and Ricky's road to getting here that's worth discuss talking about and what's happened with Ricky Rubio uh, next. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Store. I literally was, like, trying to figure out my day-to-day. The store is at 6200 South, 20th East. I live in Park City. I'm like, how am I getting to the store? Oh, I could go ski Snowbird or Solitude, and then I could go stop by the store on the way home. I love the store. I brought a friend of mine to the store the other day. She and I skied for a little while at Solitude, and then we came down. And she just, she's like, I love this place. And she just was so exuberant about it. She likes to cook a little bit and, and loves all the different choices. But I could tell what she really loved is when you walk in the store at 6200 South and 20th East, you can feel that there's a community sense to it that's different than other grocery stores right now that are somewhat of, of cookie cutter or that or feel a little stale. You can tell the June pies are out front. The cake to floors are out front. Those are local companies. There's the, I've told you about the chips you, that go over to the salsa category and that you look right around the produce in the backside over on the left is all the produce and you look around the back and, and what's there. You can see, uh, you can see the, them cutting up the Pico de Gallo that they're going to just about put out. It's that local touch in the back left corner. So local sushi company has a sushi and then they've got the bar, the meats and they've got the great barbecue chicken. And there's just a feel that you get it. 6,200 South, 20th East. And of course, mudslide cookies every day, mudslide cookies every day, the greatest cookie ever made pure chocolate on chocolate with more chocolate. The mudslide cookie is there when you walk in off to the right-hand side. So make sure you stop by the store, 6200 South, 20th East. You're saying it's uh, not on our, on your way. Well, guess what? Make it on your way. Do what I'm doing. Go way out of your way to get there so you can stop by and experience the store. 6200 South, 20th East. I think you'll really love it. All right, let's walk through the kind of – We've gotten to know Ricky, and, and we're loving Ricky for, for who he is and the passion. And I think it's it's clear to us why the fans in Minnesota are in love with Ricky 
Um, it's a really interesting – what's taking place in Minnesota is really interesting. This whole Jimmy Butler, Jeff Teague, uh, kind of anti-Ricky Rubio sediment that's being uh, – that seems to have taken place there is is a little surprising um, and, and also very um, – frankly – I don't get it. Like, I don't understand. Ricky only won 20, 40 games once there. I, I'm not sure what those guys are that worried about. But nonetheless, he, so here's Ricky's story. He he rises up as this Spanish hero, but he doesn't shoot well. And he literally has Spanish coach, his coaches in Spain telling him he's not allowed to shoot. Um, That, he, that he's, he's literally not allowed to shoot. The national team... Uh, I don't know if it was the national team necessarily or whether his, his pro-Spanish teams he played on, but they, they've told him and scarred him from the beginning when he's 14 years old in the Spanish ACB League that you're not allowed to shoot. So you're ripping away at his confidence, and he doesn't shoot well. His career in Europe is he's a 34% shooter and a 28% shooter from threes. You know, he, he may just not be a particularly good. He goes to Minnesota, he gets five coaches in five years. The last one, the most tumultuous of all, the stories go that Rubio at trade deadline last year was saying goodbye to all of his teammates. If you remember, trade deadline last year was during the All-Star break. So they play the first, they play their final game, and Ricky is literally going through the locker room saying goodbye to every single one of his teammates in his time in Minnesota, and then he doesn't get traded at the deadline last year. And... He comes back post-All-Star break and averages 16 points, 5 rebounds, and 11 assists, playing with a reckless abandonment he probably had never played with in his career. Maybe a little bit more selfish and less concerned about everybody else. He shoots 42% from the field and 35% from three, which is suddenly what he's shooting this year. Right? It's exactly his numbers this year are 41-35. He suddenly has found that exact same for an entire season. Which gets really interesting is that Rubio suddenly for nearly 100 games is a 42% shooter from the field and a 35% three-point shooter, which means he's okay. And not great. Effective field goal percentage at about 47%. League average is 51, so he's below average. But when you add in his defense and his passion and his tenacity and his running the team and all the other things he brings to the table, if he goes to the free throw line four or five times a game, He's an average offensive player, and there are so many point guards in this league that are considerably below average. So that that would be the one thing I would I would make sure you understand is that there are a bunch of guys that are a bunch of that are considerably below average, and those players that are below average, the Dennis Schroeders and others are hurting your team despite the fact they're scoring more points. So that if Ricky goes to the free throw line enough, he's just an average player. That's fine. But you look at his run. You've got now a head coach who's basically said, go shoot. Embraced him to go shoot. The second level on things is you have this assistant coach who's worked with Steve Nash, worked with others, and you have a player who passionately wants to be really, really good. And, you know, for example, the Nash dribble, where he dribbles in and comes out the other side, he didn't used to do that. That's something Quinn instituted with him early in the season when the turnovers were going on. So he now has 
not only does he have this head coach that said, go shoot, go play, just go shoot, but he also has the a assistant coach who's working with him to make him better every second and giving him the opportunity to be better, which is pretty exciting if you're Ricky Rubio. And we're seeing a noticeable difference in who he is as a player. And it's from a jazz standpoint, you couldn't you couldn't be more excited. He's got another year on his contract. He really might be a piece. And then there's the question of you can extend him in the offseason, and he clearly loves uh, being here. So it's really it's quite a story. All right, Trey Lyles in the Road Tripping podcast made a bunch of comments um, about the fact that he um, didn't like Utah. Um, he didn't like to practice. I have not heard it. Um, let me... I don't think I'm going to let this alter my opinion on Trey Lyles, but let me give you my thoughts because I think a lot of people want them, uh, have been asked. So the first thing is, one of the comments that Trey Lyles and Richard Jefferson made is accurate to, um, is accurate to what's taking, what about Utah? Sorry, my son was racing right now, so... I was just, I will turn it off. Um, I was just keeping a little eye on that as he came through. He just finished, seems to have had a nice little run. So nice job, kid. Um, he's finishing up his, his week at the national championships. Kind of kind of a cool thing. Um, so the there were two comments in there that I, I think have some truth to them. So Richard Jefferson was talking about how he liked Utah. Trevor Booker's talked about how he liked Utah. Joe Johnson liked Utah. Tabo Cephalosha seems to be liking Utah. They're all married and they all have kids. Or they all have kids. That's going to be the niche that we, that we as the Utah Jazz try to find here. Is whether or not we can find a way for to have players like coming here in the later stages of their career. Trey Lyle's comment that, you know what, it's not great if you're 20-whatever and you're single is totally true. That's true. So, you know, that's, that's a factual, accurate statement about Utah. The comment that he didn't want to practice or the practices were too long, I thought I was back at Kentucky, I think just gives you a mindset of where Trey Lyle's was or is as a player and what he thinks being a pro is and some things of that sort. And so that's, you know, I think that's whatever, disappointing or revealing. And I'm going to hold to the same thing that I've said about Trey Lyles from the very beginning. And the fact that this bothered him, I think, is telling. But if you go back and look at Trey Lyles' season, Trey Lyles is a, a... Playing pretty well for the Jazz. He's slumping a little bit, but not badly. He's playing his 17 minutes a night. We go to Phoenix on January 16th. And for whatever reason on that night, Quinn Snyder plays Trey Lyles six minutes. Uh, He had not played great the two prior games. And Trey Lyles plays six minutes that night. Simultaneously, his college teammate, Devin Booker, Gets the run of the place. He takes 22 shots. He scores 25 points. 
and the Jazz hold on to win, but Lyles is not a part of that game. And in my opinion, on that night, Trey Lyles checked out from being a member of the Utah Jazz. I, I, this is just my opinion. Um, I thought he, he was just almost as though he was embarrassed by not playing in front of Devin Booker, and Devin Booker's getting the run of the place. And from that moment on, in the final 28 games of the season, Trey Lyles shot 25% from the floor and 27% from three. I, I just thought he was embarrassed or frustrated or lacked the maturity at that age to be able to know how to react to that. And in turn, checked out. And there are a bunch of signs, you know, you can decide. What do you think of a rookie who's not established buying himself a white Ferrari in a mountain town and driving a white Ferrari? You know what? That's up to him to do whatever he wants. But I could also tell you I'm not sure. When I saw it, my reaction was like, I still think he's a credible talent. And that's what I thought the whole time when we drafted him. He's a playmaking four. Um, I I think he's got great skills. He revealed in this interview his maturity level. Um, This year in Denver, he has played three minutes more per game. He has shot at great, 47% from the floor, 38% from three. He's averaging 10.5 rebounds and assists, and I think he's really good. And I think he's going to have a long Solid, good NBA career, uh, and I, and that's uh, I still believe he's he's quite a good player. He's going to have to go through some growth and some things of that sort uh, along the way. But but I, I'm still a believer of him as as a, uh, the talent that I've always thought he was. I just think that that's what happened to him here. That's his frustration, um, and that's his dislike of the Utah situation. And I personally believe it all stems back to that night in Phoenix. Today's show is brought to you by Mizuma USA. If you are one, have one to five employees and you're not using Mizuma, you are losing money and clarity. So we all hate doing books. We hate trying to figure out 12 months of information. Uh, you're a business under yourself, a real estate agent some other salesperson, things of that nature. Mazuma USA will help you out. For $75 a month, before you use the promo code LOCKED, you get bookkeeping, reports, unlimited consultation from a CPA, personal and business tax returns. Here's how it works. You sign up, you get an orientation call, and you get assigned a bookkeeper and a CPA. They're yours the whole time. You're not switching time and time out, so they know your situation. They get into all your information, you share with them, and then they, at that point send you your first set of reports. From there, you have a tax planning discussion. Every month, you get a report. Every quarter, you have a tax planning call. And every from that point on, uh, at the end of the year, they then give you all your tax returns, and it's done. Easy. You're, buy, you're paying for a CPA. You're paying for a bookkeeper, and you're paying for ease. No contract. Cancel at any times. No hidden fees. MizumaUSA.com. 801-980-2102. That's 801-980-2102. MizumaUSA.com. Promo code LOCKED. Gets you 25% off. All right, let's see over-unders. 
I put I do this I did this show with Chuck Cooperstein. I probably should have Chuck on locked on NBA, and we should go back over him and discuss a season recap of the Western Conference um, at some point. So I uh, we did this with Chuck, and uh, we went and picked all the Western Conference teams. So I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to tell you what the over-under was, and we'll see where they stand. Minnesota was at 48.5. So they cannot get over. Chuck and I both, Chuck Cooperstein's a radio voice of the Mavericks. I don't know if I said that. Um, Chuck and I both took the under. Win-win. Oklahoma City was at 51.5, and we both took the over. Is this before the Carmelo trade? This might have been. I'm. This has got to be before the Carmelo trade for me to do that. Denver, so we're wrong. Denver is at 45.5. So they still, with four to play, have, are at 43 right now. I, we both went under. Utah was at 40.5. We both went over. The Jazz are at 45. Four points more wins. That's, that is a, a big one. Spurs were at 54.5 because you thought Kawhi Leonard was playing. And I went over. Chuck went under. Chuck gets the big win there. Houston was at 55.5. We both went under. They're at 63. <laughs> this next one's hysterical. The Warriors were at 67.5. Chuck went under. I went over. I thought they'd just win 70 games by accident. They hardly played this year. And so I Chuck wins another one. Chuck's gonna I'm I'm not having Chuck on the show, evidently. Uh Pelicans, 39.5. They're at 43. Both of us had went under. Interesting. So the Pelicans are a pretty good story in themselves, according to Vegas. They're plus three and a half. Jazz are the biggest plus. Clippers are at 43.5. Both Chuck and I went under. They're at 42. They're going to get over that. The Dallas Mavericks were at 33.5. We both took over out of respect for Rick Carlisle. We were wrong. Sacramento was at 28.5. We both took over. They're at 25. Boy, you can teams can just be bad. Memphis was at 37.5. Biggest disappointment, the Mike Conley injury. And we both went under. Portland was only at 42.5, and they're at 48. So Terry Stotts and Portland get the largest increase. And both of us took over, and they were over. So the three biggest increases are Portland, Utah, and the Pelicans. Chuck and I both went over on Utah and Portland, under on the Pelicans. And Phoenix was 28.5, and we both went under. I didn't chart how many we got right. I don't think we were great. We got Minnesota correct on under. Wrong on Oklahoma City, but I think that was before the Carmelo trade, so I'm taking a pass. Denver's still to be decided. Utah over, we got right, or I got right. Spurs over, I got wrong. Houston under, I got wrong. Warriors over, I got wrong. Pelicans under, I got wrong. Why do you ever listen to anything, I tell you? <clears throat> Clippers, you should be 50-50 on these. 42, I took under, still undecided. 
I, I think I'm going to be wrong. I'll, I'll give myself a wrong. Dallas over on 33 wrong. Lakers under on 33.5. I didn't say that one. Lakers were 33.5. They're under if they win another game. I'll probably be wrong there. Sacramento over on 28 wrong there. I was wrong on every single one of them. Memphis, 27, I got right. Portland over, I got right. Phoenix under, I got right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wrong. I suck. Why do you listen to this show? It's Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks to Mizuma USA as well as the store at 6200 South 20th East. Have a good day. This is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Get all your information at LockedOnJazz.net. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.